Letter number 12, Torah Chayim, an integrated life and an ancient dilemma. My dear students, now we must take truth, emet, and the personal development of Adam and ground it in life, Chayim. The discussion about how best to live as a committed Jew did not begin at Yeshiva University. It is very ancient. One of the Talmud's most famous debates is about how to prioritize one's time for study with everything else that must be done. The sages discuss the verse from the Shema that mentions the human role in agriculture. And you shall gather your grain, your wine, and your oil. This is hard work, work that must be done in order to support ourselves and our families. Yet we read in the first chapter in Sefer Yoshua, This Torah shall not depart from your mouths, and you shall contemplate in it day and night. Is it possible to farm the Talmud ponders if we're supposed to contemplate Torah both day and night, as Yoshua mentions? Rabbi Shmuel was of one opinion. Set aside time not only for Torah, but also for work. But Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai disagreed vehemently. He asked a reasonable question that was both rhetorical and also practical. Is it possible that a person plows in the plowing season, sows in the sowing season, harvests in the harvest season, threshes in the threshing season, winnows in the windy season, and is constantly busy? Then what will become of Torah? This Talmudic discussion concludes not with a ruling, but with a retrospective look at reality. Many have acted in accordance with the opinion of Rabbi Shmuel and were successful, and many have acted in accordance with the opinion of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and were not successful. There were people who followed both paths, but only one path was appropriate for the majority of people. This conclusion highlights the importance of both paths, that of both Rabbi Shmuel and of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. For while the path of Rabbi Yishmael works for the majority of people, the subtle implication of the Gemara is that the path of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai does work for a minority of people. And in truth, we need that minority. We need our rabbis, educators, Jewish intellectuals, thought leaders, poskim, and talmidei chachamim, and chachamot. We need a segment of our population to fully and comprehensively focus on Torah studies, on learning, on teaching, and on preaching. And Baruch Hashem at Yeshiva University, we have REITs, one of the most successful rabbinic schools in Jewish history, in addition to Azrieli, a graduate school of Jewish education. We have GPATS, a program for intense Torah studies for women and a center for Torah thought and leadership. And we have the Bernard Revel Graduate School for Jewish Academic Scholarship. Collectively, the students in these institutions make up the intellectual, spiritual, and educational leadership of tomorrow for our community and beyond. This is a critical path for our community in order to grow and develop. But it's not the only path, nor is it the path for the majority of our community. Consequently, we have other tracks that enable students to commit to Torah study while developing their skills and aptitudes in different directions to become the next generation's computer scientists, social workers, philosophers, doctors, entrepreneurs, health professionals, accountants, and art historians, to name just a few examples. The blessing of Yeshiva University is that we educate the wide expanse of the Jewish future, not just the clay Kodesh, but the lay Kodesh, as my predecessor, President Richard Joel, used to say. And we do so by embracing the whole student. 
Still, the challenge laid out by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai must be addressed. If you spend your whole day planting, harvesting, and winnowing, what will happen to your Torah? It is this question that Yeshiva University's educational philosophy directly addresses. I would like to unpack our approach through the role model of our patriarch, Yitzchak. Embrace shit we read. That Yitzchak went out in the field. What does the word mean? Rashi, quoting Chazal, teaches that means that Yitzchak was praying in the field. In fact, Chazal teaches us that this verse is the source for Tfilat Mincha, the afternoon prayer. However, Rabbi Shmuel ben Meir, the Rashbam, Rashi's grandson, teaches that the literal reading of the word Lasuach is to plant. Yitzchak went out into the field to plant because, as we know from other verses, Yitzchak was a farmer. To my mind, it's very telling that the same word Lasuach can mean both planting and praying. For in this word lies a dual message. One must stop one's planting in order to daven, and one should view planting itself as an act of prayer. It is very important for anyone in the workforce to heed Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai's warning not to get so caught up in work that one is too distracted to pray. We always need to find time in our day and work week for tefillah and for Torah. It is no coincidence that the tefillah that Yitzchak initiated was tefillat mincha because it is the prayer that most highlights this point. We are almost always in the middle of something in the afternoon when we are called upon to pause and acknowledge Hashem in our lives. The second part of the dual message of the suach is that one's planting must be understood as a form of tefillah. Yitzchak teaches us that when you are out in the world and living by the Torah, even when you're planting, you're praying that this is also Torah. There's beauty in describing both what Yitzchak literally did and what it signified with the same word. Our tradition does not want us to think of our lives as bifurcated, but rather as unified by Torah. This is Torah Tchayim. What would it look like if every time we prayed, we planted something metaphorically? And if every time we planted something, we saw it as an act of prayer. Rabbi Yitzchak Hutner was once asked for advice by a student who felt he was living a dual life, one at home in the religious world and one at work in a secular society. He could not live with the dichotomy. Rabbi Hutner answered that someone who has two houses with two wives and two families is living a double life, while one who has multiple rooms in the same house is not leading a double life, but a unified life with multiple facets. The point that Rabbi Hutner was making is that one must contextualize one's entire life as a vodat Hashem, heavenly service in all of its aspects. One's whole life should be viewed in the context of Torah so that it should appear unified and whole. A similar story happened to me. Once in my travels, I met a father who shared with me that his son was troubled. His son used to study most of the day at YU, devoting much time to his tefillah and Torah learning. But upon graduation, he secured a much sought-after position in a high-profile business firm. Now he spends his days at work. His tefillah b'tzibor is at a much faster-paced minion than he was accustomed to at yeshiva, and his time to learn each day is much more circumscribed. Where, his son wondered, is my avodat Hashem? I answered the father that I was deeply moved by the question. 
Certainly we believe that his sons of Odat Hashem is in his davening and learning, and he still needs to find the time to devote to that. But in our yeshiva, I said, we teach that his avodat Hashem is also in his hours working in the business firm. Both the content of his work done to increase human flourishing and the way in which he works with menshlechite, honesty, and compassion are expressions of his avodat Hashem. In his current position, he has an opportunity to do a world of good. The way he models his Torah values, the way he interacts with all of his co-workers, colleagues, and people on the staff all of this provides him with an opportunity to sanctify Hashem's name in the world. The Talmud teaches that the command to love Hashem is also a command to make the name of Hashem more beloved in the world. Every minute of this young man's day in his firm is an opportunity to show his love for Hashem. This is the Torah we teach at Yeshiva University. This is what we stand for. We stand for a Torah Chayim, a Torah that embraces life and all of its potentialities and sees every minute of every day as an opportunity to actualize our Torah and serve our Creator. This is perhaps best expressed by a verse in Tehillim in which we once again find the verb Lasuach, Ma Ahafti Torah Techa, Kol Hayom Hisichati. Oh, how I love your Torah. It is my occupation all day long. When you live an integrated life, and when what you study informs who you are and what you do, then you're serving Hashem all day long in everything you do. In the Shema, we're mandated to walk with our faith. It surrounds us when we lie down and when we wake up. There's something kinesthetic about Torah. A life of Torah is not just sitting, studying, and davening. It is active and engaging. It is the way we breathe and move in the world. This is why Torah Chaim comes after Torah Emet as part of our educational philosophy. Truth has to meet life. These values can live side by side or be in conflict with one another. We read in Tehillim, for example, that Chesed ve'emet nifgashu tzedek v'shalom nashaku. Mercy and truth meet. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. This is an interesting image. Black and white truth that we might derive from reason, learning, reading, and thinking may soften to gray as these truths encounter reality. Truth can be rigid and unbending, but it must negotiate with real people in real-world situations. The values of seeking truth and making peace conflict at times because we are human, inconsistent, and flawed, and because two people may see the world in very different ways. This verse reminds us that in an ideal world, Truth and peace find a way to live together on intimate, close terms. Without Torah Chaim, Torah Emet can be flat and one-dimensional. In Judaism, it has never been one or the other. There is a well-known question raised by the medieval sages as to why one says the blessing on studying Torah, La Sok Torah, only once a day in the morning, even though there are breaks in our day between the times one actually studies Torah. When one goes to work, tends to one's family, or take care of communal matters. In other cases of blessings on mitzvot, such a gap of time would warrant the recitation of another blessing before performing the mitzvah again. Tosavot famously answer that when it comes to learning Torah, there is no real break. Rabbi Salvechik explained this approach as rooted in the subconscious. 
Those who study Torah are like a mother who thinks about her children throughout her day when they are not with her, even when fulfilling other obligations and responsibilities. Similarly, the words of Torah are always with us throughout the day, even when one is not actively engaged in studying Torah. There is no break, Rabbi Salvechik explains. Torah is always on one's mind. More of Rabbi, Rabbi Michael Rosenzweig, adds a different nuance to answer this question. He argues that if one's actions and standards of behavior are based on one's learning, then living a life of Torah is also a fulfillment of the bracha la'asok b'divrei Torah. Even when one is not actually studying, one is still considered engaged in Torah. There is a midrash that praises Chanoch, a mysterious character from the earliest chapters of Breshit. The midrash calls him a tzaddik, a righteous man. What made him righteous? The midrash explains that Chanoch was a cobbler. And with each turn of the needle, he declared, Baruch, Shem, Kavod, Machutoli, Lamba'ed, blessed be the name of his glorious kingdom forever. Even repairing a pair of shoes can become sacred when we take pride in the work and dedicate it to God. In the frame of Rabbi Yitzchak Huttner that we saw earlier, Chanuch did not even have two rooms in his house. He had one expansive room in his soul that included all the parts of who he was. For us at YU, the Torah is not only lived throughout the day through prayer and study. It is also in the front of our minds as a conscious lens when making decisions. Our behavior and character are all informed by Torah. The Rav once said that if he could write a 14th Animamim, if he could add one principle to these iconic declarations of faith, it would be that the Torah applies in every generation, in every time, and in every place. It belongs in our classrooms and boardrooms, on the court, and in a court in our dining rooms, and our dorm rooms, in the office, and on vacation. We are not afraid that the Torah will lose its relevance. We don't need to hide it or be ashamed of it. We trust in its enduring value, its wisdom, and its relevance to any situation in which we find ourselves. It is what helps us pass Rava's test. This approach to life enables us to see every moment of the day as holy and precious. It is hard to be well-adjusted and happy, when we think that the way that we spend the majority of our hours is simply instrumental, a task to get through in order to support what we really want to do. We don't focus on the joy of work, and we risk dissipating the holiness of the work itself, no matter what job we have. We see what we do as separate from who we are. But for us, work is also a tefillah, both in the content of what we're doing to support human flourishing and the way we do it. This means working with integrity in finance, compassion in medicine, impartiality in law, and menschlichkeit in everything. Our Vodat Hashem is expressed in the way we relate to our bosses, supervise employees, and treat customers. Every moment we're in the workforce, we have an opportunity to be Makade Shem Shemayim Barabim, to sanctify God's name publicly. We bring our values into the world and celebrate them. This approach underlies a philosophy that I once heard explained by my teacher, Rabbi Jacob J. Schachter. One of the opinions in the Midrash is that the letter that Mark Kayin's had after he killed his brother, Hevel, was the letter Vav. Why would Kayin need to walk around his whole life with a Vav? Because a Vav, in a sentence, is a connector, the Vav Achibor. It brings two parts together and says that they can live in relationship to one another. Cain's sin was that he split apart from others, 
and he needed to learn the importance of connection. Building on this idea, my colleague Rabbi Moshe Tzvi Weinberg called this the philosophy of and. In psychology, we call this dialectical thinking. Too often, we find people framing their choices in life as either or. Kayan thought either he would succeed as beloved to Hashem or Hebel would be the beloved one. It was an either or perspective. But the truth is, in the and, it's not one or the other. It's both. So many students are stuck in an either or perspective. Instead, bring your full self all of your spiritual kohot strengths and abilities into your life decisions to determine where you can most excel and make a significant impact. When you discover that, you'll have found your avodat Hashem. This is an essential life lesson that naturally flows from our model of education, which focuses on the and, the Torah and the Mata. This at times creates some tension for our students who begin why you immediately after they leave the intensity of a year or two in Israel, where they spent early mornings davening and late nights learning, with no tests and no grades, enjoying the gift of simply studying Torah full-time. A few years ago, I was speaking to some students in our post-Pesach program. They had just returned from Israel, and I asked them how they were finding YU. One of the students said that he was enjoying being here, but he found one element particularly difficult. In his past yeshiva, he said, if he missed shacharit in the morning, one of his rabbis called to check up on him. At YU, he could miss minyanim, and no one would know. I explained to him that when he gets older and moves to a community to start the next phase of his life, no one will call him if he misses minyan. In that sense, YU was helping him transition to the rest of his life in the loving context of a yeshiva with rabbeim and educators who care. We are educating you to want to live an integrated life with personal responsibility, to be out in the world as a full Evid Hashem, utilizing your entire range of kochot in the service of the Jewish people and all of society. Yu is your bridge to the rest of your life. It's the first time you have to be truly conscious of how you will balance many competing values and how you will integrate your Torah into your professional choices, your social choices, your dating, your volunteering, and your decision about the community in which you want to settle down. At this very impressionable time in your life, you will make decisions that impact the entirety of your life. These decisions will be even wiser if they're made in a spirit of wholeness and happiness. Know that this is where Torah Chaim comes in. Some of our life goals will not involve the immediacy of holiness we experience when we recite a mizmor of Tehillim or learn in the Beit Midrash deep into the night. Keep in mind that there is immediate holiness and there is long-term holiness. Raising a family, for example, is central to living a Torah life. It's the best and most literal expression of Jewish continuity. There is little more meaningful in life than learning with one's children and passing down our misorah to the next generation. But as anyone who has children knows, along with all the gratifying hours, are all the difficult physical and emotional demands. Similarly, going to work enables us to support our lives and contribute to society, but not every moment will be easy and fulfilling. One of our goals at Yeshiva is to help you experience the immediacy of Kedusha 
and create a personal life strategy that allows for the long-term pursuit of Kedusha. It should also be noted that there are challenges in living and working in a broader society that espouses values and mores that run counter to our Torah teachings. All parents know how difficult it is to help their children navigate the tension between tradition and an increasingly complex world. And this is also essential to our education. Located at the nexus between tradition and innovation, YU provides you with the tools for critical self-reflection. This can help you weather the storms and tempests of contemporary moral discourse so that you leave here both rooted and nimble, anchored in our values and equipped with the language and sophistication necessary for success in the world in the years that follow. We are uniquely qualified to raise engaged Jewish citizens from Judaism is vibrant and essential to their lives and for whom work is vibrant and essential to their lives. Some of you come to campus with a full day school education. Some of you come from public school with little to no previous Jewish education. Here at Yeshiva, you will find friends for life and often soulmates and partners for life. Here at Yeshiva, you have the opportunity not only to learn about Judaism, but also to experience Judaism. To appreciate that Shabbat is not just something we keep, it is something we treasure, and that living a life of faith adds significance and happiness to our lives. Our yeshiva is fully committed to Torah Chaim. We are proud to offer a comprehensive, integrated educational program designed to produce the Jewish leaders of the next generation and beyond, who are firmly committed, forward-focused, engaged in the world, and pillars of society. Your education here will transform your life as it has already transformed the Jewish people throughout the world. Vivracha Ari Berman.